0: We are on Yevamos Pei Amabes, ADB, and the Gemara continues to discuss the concept of a Sris, of a man who is not able to develop into full maturity, um, physical maturity. And the Gemara now is going to discuss what are the signs that one needs to identify by the age of 18 or 20, the age that we discussed in previous recordings, Uh, What are the signs that prove to us that this person is in fact a Sris? That this person now is somebody who uh, is defined as somebody who uh, will not be able to uh, reach the level of physical maturity that's necessary, and therefore becomes an adult right away. Or perhaps even retroactively, that was the discussion that we had in the last recording. But what are the different signs that are necessary? Now, it's important to note that if there are no signs whatsoever, let's say... Uh, we don't see any hair whatsoever, any facial hair, anything. Uh, but there are no actual signs of a lack of physical maturity. Uh, so then they have until the age of 36 to develop uh, facial hair, pubic hair, uh, different different ways of proving that they have uh, reached the level of physical maturity. If they have not reached that by the age of 36, so then we assume that they're also a Sris, that they are also... somebody who cannot have children. Um, And so what we're discussing now is what they need at the age of 18 or 20 to prove to us that they are in fact a seris if they do not have this, so then it goes until the age of 36. Why the age of 36 uh, is because 36 is assumed to be half of a person's life if the average age is 70. If we assume the average age is 70, so then 36 would be the majority of one's life. So what, what's necessary? What is necessary? Tanarabana, it's taught on the brightsa. Srischama. Koshu Ben Esrim Velohivishte Sarus. Somebody who is born as a Sris, as somebody who's not able to have reached regular physical maturity, as somebody who's at the age of 20. They do not have two hairs yet. They don't have two pubic hairs. Even if they have after the age of 20, they're still viewed as a sris, and these are the, the signs of what it means to be a Sris. So then there's different opinions. If a person doesn't have a beard or his hair is different, it's lakoi, it's softer. And his skin is smooth, it's without hair. says, says, um, if it doesn't, uh, the urine doesn't uh, raise foam. The Gemara Katanis, something that we've had in, pre- in previous recordings. If someone uh, urinates without an arch, it just drips down. Uh, there are those that say if the sheikh uh, if the semen uh, dissipates and doesn't congeal properly, if the urine doesn't ferment, and there are others who say that if somebody bathes in yemos Gishamim in the rainy season and it doesn't give off steam, their flesh doesn't give off steam, and Rashi says that if a person's voice it doesn't change, it stays as as a child, and uh it's not clear whether the person is a man or a woman. Those are the different signs in order to prove that somebody is uh is a striss, is not able to have children. A what about for a woman? Uh, if they're not did what what are the signs that are necessary in order for us to prove that she's not physically mature? stays so if she's twenty years old and she did not she doesn't have two pubic hairs. Even if she develops them after the age of twenty, she's still she's viewed as an islandist, as somebody who's not able, uh, who has not reached uh, and will not reach physical maturity. These are the various signs that she has to have at the age of twenty. If she doesn't have any breasts, she experiences pain during intercourse. Rabbi Shemim ben Omer, says, Kol shein la shi pulei me'ayim kenashim. If her, anybody, who, if their lower abdomen is different, if it's not formed like other women, um, she doesn't have the extra cushion of flesh that's usually uh, there. Rabbi Shem um, Ben-Nagam Omer, says, Kol shekola avev in any karismin ishe le'ish. Rabbi Shem ben says that if she has a deep voice... And it's not clear whether or not she is a man or a woman. Now, these are all different signs, both for men and for women. There's an important dispute here, Itmar. Mar continues and says, Itmar, who was stated, all these signs that are necessary by the age of 20, Rav Huna says, until you have all of them, Rav Huna says, you need to have all of these signs. Rav says, no, you just need one. One of these signs is sufficient. And the Gemara adds the whole dispute here between Rav and Rabbi whether you need to have all these signs or just one of these signs is specifically if uh, she, she or he, uh, they don't have any facial hair. But if they have facial hair, so then everybody agrees if there's if there's uh, some facial hair there, so then you need all the signs. You need all the rest of these signs in order for us to prove uh, that they are in fact a. Uh, a sris as somebody who's not able to have children. Um, so Tzimur the then concludes with this topic. <inaudible> but that which Rabbe said to the Rabbanan, he said to the sages, "I knew babe, Rav Nachman. Look into Rav Nachman. Look at Rav Nachman to see one of the signs if he when he bathes, so does it give off? Does his flesh give off steam?" And if it does, if we have one of the signs which rejects uh, this concept of him being a sris, so then I'll give my daughter to him. So who's that like, Keman? Who is this like? Must be like Ravuna. Because Ravuna says you need all the signs in order to prove that he is a sris. So if we have one sign which proves otherwise, so then in fact he's not a sris. So it seems to be like Ravuna. It's like where it says, <speaking in Spanish> no, Lo, Rav Nachman, Siki Dikna havelai. No. This could even be a question of Yochanan, because Rav Nachman. He had some facial hair. He had a limited amount of facial hair, and therefore, even according to Rabbi Yochanan, you need all the signs. So, if you're missing one of the signs, which was the test that Rabbi Baravu was doing, so then it shows that if he's missing one of the signs to prove that he's a shris, that shows that really he's not a shris, even according to Rabbi Yochanan, and uh, he is in fact somebody who is able to have children. Uh, so that is an important dispute between Ravu and Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, sorry, between yes, between Rahun and Rabbi Yochanan. I just want to point out, it's just interesting, for those of you that have studied Chagika with us at the very beginning, there was a whole discussion about uh, how to define who is a Shota, somebody who is not in touch with reality, um, and they do certain things, whether they walk alone, and they, go, they hang out at the cemetery, they rip their clothing, so there happens to be the same exact dispute between Rufun and Rebbe Elchanan as to whether we need all the signs in order to prove that this person is not in touch with reality, such a person is not in touch with reality, or you only need one of the signs, one of, the, of those signs. So it's, it's interesting that we have this dispute between Rav Huna and Rabbi Ultimately, it's a dispute as to when we use uh, some form of um, external evidence or through symptoms, uh, through actions, do we, need, do we require all the actions or just one of them in order to prove whether it's a Sris or, or whether it's somebody who's a Shota, somebody who's not in touch with reality. Uh, it's an interesting dispute between Rav Huna and Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, let's go on in the Gemara. We'll go on in the Gemara up to the next Mishnah. So this again, this is all commenting on the Mishnah, on the previous Mishnah that we had. And the Mishnah said at the end, first they quoted a dispute between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Eliezer. We had a dispute that we've discussed in the past, in in previous recordings, between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Eliezer. Which type of Vestris could do Yibam and which type of Vestris cannot do Yibam. And if you recall, Rabbi Kiva is the one who said, that if it's the type of Swiss who was able at some point to have children, but now based on something which happened to him during his lifetime, he's not able to have children, so then he in fact could do yibam. However, if they're born as a Swiss, even if they could potentially change through various medications or through a doctor, somehow they could change, they are not. They cannot do yibam. Rabbi Lezar flips it and he says, no, it's the opposite. Really the opposite is true. If they were born as a Swiss, so then they could do yibam if something happened during their lifetime which made them into a Sris, made them into somebody who's not able to have children, then they cannot do Yibam. So then the Mishnah has a line which says, Hasris The end of the Mishnah says that a Sris cannot do Chalitza and cannot do Yibim. and also an islandist, a woman who is an islandist cannot do yibim and cannot do Chalitza. So the Gemara says that this line of the Mishnah seems to prove Rabi be Akiva. Because the Mishnah compares a man who is a stris to a woman who is an islandist. Both of them are people who cannot have children. But the comparison is as follows. This fits with Rabbi Kiva because both a stris, it's a comparison between a stris and an islandist. An islandist is a woman who from birth is not able to have children. That is clear. So the fact that we are putting them two together means that the type of person who cannot do yibam, just like an islandist cannot do yibam or chalitza, because she cannot have children from birth, so to a stris, is the type of stris i are referring to, is somebody who cannot uh, have children from birth. That fits with the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, if something happens later on in life, that they all of a sudden can't have children, so then they could still do yibam. But if it was from birth, so then they cannot do yibam. This fits exactly with the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Then the Mishnah says as follows, now what happens if you have a Sris? You have a brother-in-law who shouldn't be doing Yibam. The cases where they shouldn't be doing Yibam or Chalitza. They don't have to do anything. So you have a brother-in-law in a situation where the, the brother passed away without any children. But there is no obligation to do yibum, no obligation to do Chalitza. Because uh, the, the live brother-in-law is a Sris. And it's a type of Sris who is not obligated in Yibam or Chalitza. Uh, however, if the Mishnah says if they did Chalitza, so... It, you know, it's, it's a meaningless chalitza without any uh, implications or repercussions. However, if they did yibam, so that's a brother-in-law and sister-in-law getting married outside the context of yibam. That is a severe prohibition. And that would disqualify her, explains Rashi, but this would disqualify her from even um, marrying a kohen. She is now what's termed as a zona because this is uh, uh, a a very severe uh, prohibition. And this would disqualify her from marrying a Kohen. So the Gemara says, time Taim Adibbalahu Ha'akhirlao. Ah, the Gemara says, It sounds from our Mishnah that when it's the brother-in-law who does yibum with her outside the context of yibam, that's when she becomes disqualified from marrying a Kohen because she's a zonah. It's a brother-in-law and sister-in-law having sexual relations outside the context of yibam. Implication, though, is let's say there was a case of yibam and she would go ahead and the sister-in-law... And not do yibim with the brother in law, but before anything takes place, she has sexual relations with somebody from the outside, a random person. The implication is that that would not disqualify her from marrying a coin, but that's also a prohibition. That's an ordinary negative commandment. She cannot have sexual relations with anybody else until she does even with the brother in law. But that's an ordinary negative commandment. commandment. Shouldn't that disqualify her from, uh, from marrying a coin? Lay metavit yuf to that she go against her avnuna. The Amr... Rav Nuna says That if she went ahead And had sexual relations With somebody else Rav Nuna actually himself Is not discussing a Kohen In a case of a Kohen He just says That they have become disqualified From doing Yibam or chalitza To the brother-in-law Which is a fascinating discussion uh, Rashi extends it to the fact that just like just like she cannot marry or do yibam with her brother-in-law anymore, she also cannot marry a kohen. She becomes a zonah and cannot marry a kohen. But this line of a is a very important line because it basically discusses what happens when the, we have this brother-in-law and sister-in-law before anything takes place. We have this zika bond. We have this strong bond between the brother-in-law and sister-in-law before anything even takes place. The husband passed away. Um, how equal, how equivalent is that to a regular marriage? In a regular marriage, if adultery is committed, they cannot stay married. They're not allowed to stay married. Uh, so in this case also, let's say they have the Zika bond. If she commits adultery and has sexual relations with somebody from the outside, some random person, so does that ruin that relationship or not? How equivalent is that to a regular marriage? Rav Hamnuna says, it disqualifies her. It does disqualify her. From our Mishnah, perhaps it sounds like it doesn't disqualify her. Is that the case? Is that really true? So the Gemara says, no, The Gemara says, no our Mishnah fits with her Ram Nuna also, uh, that it can agree with her Ram Nuna, that it does disqualify her, just like in a regular marriage if she commits adultery, no more marriage, it's the end to the marriage, so too, when she's waiting to do Yibam if she has sexual relations with somebody from the outside, that would also disqualify her and she cannot uh, do Yibam to her with her brother-in-law. Uh, oh, why does the Mishnah say, uh, why is it referring to the brother-in-law? That's only because, since in the beginning of the Mishnah it was talking about the brother-in-law, so too now it's also talking about the brother-in-law. But it doesn't mean that... Um, that uh, in a regular case of yibum, if she were to go ahead and have sexual relations with somebody from the outside, that that would not disqualify her. No, it would in fact disqualify her like Rav Hamduna. Uh Says the end of the, uh, of the Gemara here, like commenting in the last part of the previous Mishnah, um, we, If we have an islandist, a woman who is an islandist, she's not able to have children. So we say, the Mishnah also said that if they went ahead and they did yibum. You're not supposed to do Yibam. You're not allowed to do Yibam. But if the brother-in-law and sister-in-law end up doing Yibam, they have sexual relations, thinking they're doing yibim, but it's it, or trying to do Yibam, when you're not allowed to do yibim, uh, we say that disqualifies her from marrying a Kohen because she's now a Zona. It's a sister-in-law and brother-in-law having sexual relations outside the context of Yibam, which is a severe prohibition. Uh, and so she becomes disqualified from marrying a Kohen. Now this seems to be going against Rabbi Yehuda. We had different uh, definitions for what a Zona was. A Zona is somebody who's not allowed to marry a Kohen, Says, Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion that anybody, any woman who is not able to have children, is viewed as a zona. Meaning they're disqualified from marrying a Kohen. A Kohen can only marry somebody who has the potential to have children. And so this Mishnah is clearly against that opinion. Because we have an islandess here, She is not disqualified from marrying a Kohen. Happens to be she's disqualified because she has sexual relations with her brother-in-law. Outside the context of Yibam, that's what disqualifies her. But before that, she was not disqualified from marrying a kohen. This is clearly against the position of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says that anybody, any woman who is not able to have children, is disqualified. Uh, so from marrying from marrying kohen, she is viewed as a zona. So our mission is clearly against the position of Rabbi Yehuda, uh, and that's what the end of the, of this gemara discusses. This is the end of the gemara, coming on our last mishnah, and in the next recording we will begin a. New Mishnah.